Welcome to Greenfish Blue Oceans, the podcast where stories about seafood are good for you in the oceans. I'm Maureen Barry. On today's episode, I'm tackling Q is for Queen Scallops and Quotas. Hey guys, what's up? And thanks for tuning in. You know, when I decided to do an A to Z format, I got to admit, Q was one of those letters I was like, what am I going to do? And FYI, V, X, and Z are a challenge too. But I think you're going to love both parts of today's program. So again, thanks for tuning in. And if you're new, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. So before I jump into today's program, I just want to mention a couple of things. First, if you're a regular listener, then you know I'm behind schedule. So I'm sorry about that. I know consistency is key in so many aspects of creation. So why am I behind? I think you're going to relate to this. I think because I've had so much anxiety regarding the recent weather-related catastrophes in the world, the flood in Southern Asia, Hurricane Harvey, Irma, Jose, and Maria. Plus, when I don't know anything about a topic, I get anxiety about producing a show. And prior to the show, I knew nothing about queen scallops. And quotas in fisheries is a huge topic. So when I set up season one's schedule, I thought, oh, I can do this. But with the last few weeks, with the weather and whatnot, I've just been a little overwhelmed. And so I procrastinated about producing this podcast. Anyway, I want to touch on the anxiety for a couple of minutes. So hang in with me, please. Um, specifically, eco-anxiety. Now, I first heard the term on the podcast Terrestrial um, hosted by Ashley Ahern. She actually is a phenomenal host and veteran journalist. Her first season is under wraps. So um, I encourage you, if you're interested in environmental type podcast, that Terrestrial is a good listen. Ashley defines eco-anxiety like this. It's a chronic fear of environmental doom. And she likens it to people who sit on their yoga mats who worry that the world is going to end because we don't recycle enough. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, did she read one of my blog posts? (laughs) I mean, I don't think that extreme and I don't think about that on my yoga mat, but sometimes I do get a little like carried away in my own head about the recycling of plastic and what it's doing to the earth and to the oceans. Anyway, so I definitely know I have a dose of eco-anxiety. And I'm not alone. Psychologists agree that climate-induced catastrophes produce a range of disorders like anxiety, depression, PTSD, and more. And interestingly, I find that the more I learn about something, the less anxiety I have. So, now that I did my pranayama breathing, and I'm all namaste, um, let's jump into the program and talk about queen scallops. I also want to say I'm happy to announce that all of my friends in the Keys 
made it through Hurricane Irma. They were alive. Now, they lost pretty much everything they owned, but these are key, strong people, and they're going to just rock it and make everything strong and better again. So I do want to take a few moments of silence for the recent Irma victims, those poor people that didn't survive. Okay, so, hey, thanks. I think prayers are really important in today's world. Um, so welcome to the Q is for Queen Scallops part of the program. I'm just going to go through a couple of simple questions. What are Queen Scallops? Where can you find them? What's their sustainability status? And some recipe ideas. So a queen scallop is a really popular, important bivalve. They are smallish scallops, about nine centimeters or about three inches across. Queenies are free swimmers, unlike the larger king scallops that bury in the sand, which is kind of a cool little feature. Queen scallops are distributed throughout European waters from Norway to the Mediterranean. Think the Faroe Islands in the North Atlantic between Norway and Iceland and as far south as the Canary Islands off the coast of Northwest. <laughs> Easy for me to say, off the coast of Northwest Africa. But mostly they're found in the Irish Sea between Ireland and Great Britain their sustainability status varies. So it depends, like queen scallops get a best choice rating by Seafood Watch and Marine Stewardship Council certified queen scallops in 2011, but then suspended the rating in 2014 due to overexploitation. So queen scallops that are fished in the Irish Sea are a well-managed fishery due to their fishing methods, closures, and landing limits, which is a great set of tools for any fisheries management. And it's worth noting that it's not easy to assess scallop stocks, especially with the queenie scallops, because queenies are often caught when fishing for kings. So interestingly, according to Marine Conservation Society, queenies are not in distress because of overfishing. Their production or populations or lack of have more to do with spawning methods, ocean surface temperatures, and availability of suitable habitat. Now, while the actual method of catching queenies differs from kings, queen scallops harvesting use an otter trawl that has a tickler chain that stirs up the ocean bed while a dredge used for kings has teeth that rake up the ocean floor. I don't think either is an ideal method for fishing. Um, anything that's tearing up the ocean bottom creates a little bit of concern. Now, the other method for catching scallops is diver caught, but this is a fairly expensive method and it's not going to sustain the demand. Okay, so think of this. It, just because I say so doesn't mean you're going to stop eating scallops and fisheries will stop catching them. Scallop fishing for queens and king scallops, just those two species, makes up over 8% of the global production. Now, this is big. This is really big. Now, I personally am a fan of scallops. 
Scallops are not only delicious tasting, but they are filter feeders, which makes the water cleaner than previously. Now, I don't eat scallops often because mostly I live in Kentucky and I have to fly my scallops in. Um, I buy my scallops from Maine. Um, so one, they're expensive, not only to uh, fly in, but two, they're diver scallops. So I think it's worth it to buy a couple of pounds of scallops and keep them in the freezer. And um, so lucky for me, Elvis doesn't like to eat scallops, so I get all the scallops myself, which is very cool. Now, these scallops from Maine, um, I left a link in the show notes for you, um, are only available um, certain times of the year, which is actually a really good thing. Now, I have to say, if I lived in the UK, I'd be eating a hell of a lot more scallops. I just, I know I would. Just like when I lived in Florida, I ate a lot more seafood because it was available. So speaking of buying scallops, here's a couple of things to think about when you're uh, in the market to buy scallops. Scallops are sold fresh, frozen, uh, in the whole shell and in the half shell. Um, but most of the time, you're going to buy scallops at the market straight out of the shell. They're just fully cleaned and ready to go. Now, if you do buy diver scallops, you're going to have to take the foot off. And I actually have a YouTube video, Scallops and Soba Noodles. If you go to my YouTube channel at Maureen Seabury, you'll see the technique of pulling the foot off the scallop. You're going to discard that little foot, by the way. It's a little muscle that attaches to the shell. It's not edible. Scallops are processed and sold by the pound and count, similar to shrimp. So sizes range from U5, meaning under five scallops per pound, which is a Mongo mega scallop, to like a 30-40 count and much higher for the tiny base scallops. So 30 to 40 count scallop means you get 30 to 40 per pound. Scallops can be baked, sauteed, fried, poached, steamed, and smoked. And you can eat scallops raw. They have a sweet, briny flavor, and they're so tender. Mmm, I just love them. I just love them. My favorite method for cooking scallops are pan-seared in a hot skillet for like a minute or two, and then finished with like a little dab of butter, a squirt of lemon juice, and then air-kissed with salt and pepper. It's just like the perfect little mm, treat. They're just so amazing. I can't, I, I need to go cook some scallops, I think. Um, so here's a few tips about pan-searing scallops. First, before you turn on the heat, um, like all seafood recipes, you need to have everything else ready to go. Your salad's tossed, the table set, the wine opened and poured. Second, you're going to want to use a kitchen timer or the timer on your phone. Scallops need very little cook time, and two minutes passes very quickly. Third tip, don't crowd the pan. You want equal distance between the scallops so they get that nice caramelized sear. If you place too many in the pan at the same time, the scallops are going to steam. And here's the last most important tip. Know where your scallops come from and who is catching them. This is so important. Some processors add water and chemicals to scallops. And boats that are out for a very long time are holding scallops on ice. And so water is going to get seeped in. Well, not only does it like take you know, it's like a little sponge. It's sucking up the water. That's just the way it is. So it's important to know where scallops come from and who's catching them. Now, by law, 
processors are allowed to put a certain percentage of chemicals in the scallops to preserve them. You'll know when you cook them when the scallops shrink and they have a kind of a funky taste. They don't taste like, they don't taste like the ocean. They're not taste like what they're supposed to taste like. They're going to be chewy too if you overcook a scallop. So just remember that. So be judicious with the amount um, of scallops you put in the pan and how long you cook them. And most importantly, know your fishermen. Typically, I like to eat my scallops very simply, but that doesn't mean you can't add flavor. In that recipe on my YouTube, scallops and soba noodles, I actually use a peanut butter vinaigrette. It's got like a, some heat in it, some chili and some peanut butter and some rice vinegar. It's amazing. So the recipe is there. The scallops were prepared simply. Um, I just used the dressing to coat the uh, soba noodles and some vegetables. It's really a quick and easy, delicious recipe. Also, speaking of more recipes, I did put a link in the show notes to my website. I actually have quite a few recipes on the site, so enjoy that. So I've got a question now. Do you eat scallops? And are you fussy about where you buy your scallops? Or are you just like, I I love scallops. I've got to eat them. Do you know how they're caught? That's kind of a big thing. And that's not always easy to do. You have to ask questions. That's very important. And then use your recommendation guides. You know that. So um, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to know where I buy my scallops, check the show notes for the scallop broker in Maine. There'll be um, a link there under buying scallops in the show notes. These aren't queenies, but they are amazing and as as sustainable as you can get in the United States. Just to note, the Maine scallop season opens in less than 70 days from today's podcast recording. Okay, that's it. Short and sweet, right? Okay, now stick around for the cue is for quotas part of the program. I'm going to take a little break. Be right back. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back. Welcome to the Q is for quota part of the program. Now I'm going to just touch briefly on this subject because it is really, really big. Okay, so bear with me because I may even sound a little jumbled about it. So um, I apologize about that. I just went through some specifics. I'm going to define it, what that means specifically in the United States. So a quota is a catch share which in fisheries terms means a specific species is regulated by the government. Usually quotas are um, regulated by weight and for a specific time. So fishing in a specific region has its own challenges and opportunities. By having regional standards, fisheries managers gain flexibility by working with locals to improve the fishery and the fishing communities. In the U.S., for instance, a fisherman must apply for a quota for a specific fishery for the U.S. Department of Commerce. Applicants must be eligible and be approved. Now, I looked at the criteria, which looks fairly standard, and I did put some links in the show notes if you are interested in finding out like what the eligibility requirements are to get to apply for a quota. 
Uh, there In the United States, there are eight regional councils that do the approving. There's the Caribbean, the Gulf of Mexico, the Mid-Atlantic, the North Atlantic, the North Pacific, the Pacific, the South Atlantic, and the Western Pacific. So why do fisheries have quotas? And when did quotas become such a big thing? It was kind of like one of the questions I wanted to answer. In the United States in 1976, the Magnuson-Stevens Fisheries Conservation and Management Act was implemented. Prior to that, fishing was like the Wild West. Fishermen could go out whenever they wanted for as long as they wanted. The problem with that was when the markets were flush with fish, the prices bottomed out. If the fish didn't move, then it just rotted at the docks or in the warehouses. So it was a supply versus demand kind of thing. It wasn't a very good opportunity at the time. So quotas were established. And so how was a quota established? So many times the quota share for a particular vessel is based on the catch from the previous year. In some markets, the quota shares can be bought and sold from vessel to vessel. This means it may be worth it for a small fishing fleet to sell its shares to the larger fishing fleet, and it never leaves the dock. The small guys actually still making money by not fishing. Now, that doesn't do so much for the community, though. I mean, how does that impact the actual fisherman and his family and community? Because if a third or fourth generation fisherman doesn't have to go fishing, what does he do with his time and with his boat? I mean, boats are just a big hole in the water. They need maintenance. Okay, right? Anybody that has owned a boat knows it's nothing but maintenance. And how is he contributing to the community? I mean, if he's a fisherman and he's not fishing, what? how is that serving the community? And on a personal level, does he or she really like the idea of never fishing again? I think not. I mean, most of the people I know who fish for a living love it. They love it. Absolutely love it. So maybe quotas are soul crushing. You know, I, I think so in some ways. I think, are they necessary? I do. I absolutely think quotas are necessary. They address biological issues. Because if fisheries are left unchecked, we will run out of important commercial species by the year 2050, maybe sooner. Because even though we regulate, there's a lot of illegal, unreported fishing going on in the world. The international fishing market is not regulated. And those big trawlers are dredging fish out of the sea. And if you listen to the podcast earlier and B is for bycatch, um, you'll know what I mean. And you could just go back and listen to that episode if you if you would like, or if you haven't listened to it, that'd be cool. Thanks. Appreciate that. But it's actually kind of a big problem. Um, these are not separate issues, but rather are combined to determine how effective quotas are for not only the environment and fish stocks, but for the fishermen and fishing communities. So this is such a large topic. I'm sure... I will be talking about it again in season two. And so I would love to hear from you. If you're a fisherman or you live in a fishing community, tell me, what do you think about quotas? Are they fair? Is it worth it? Go ahead and reach out. Um, you can find me at marinecberry at gmail.com or hit me up 
on Twitter, I'm always tweeting at Maureen C. Barry. Do you think quotas are necessary? That's what I'd like to know. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it. All right. There's so much more. I, like I said, I know I'm going to be talking about this again. But that's all I've got for Q is for quotas. So up next on Greenfish Blue Oceans, R is for rock shrimp and rising oceans. That is something I'm very familiar with. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Maureen Barry. This is Greenfish Blue Oceans. <laughs>